Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. We would begin rehearsals with our biggest illusion, which was the sword basket. It's one of those legends like the Indian rope trick that everyone has heard of, but most have never seen. This program features the work of 2011 writer Maritas Zerbano. Curator Susan Rich spoke with her in an interview. Your life doesn't seem particularly ordinary to me. When did you realize you wanted to be a magician? I think that uh, my fantasy was uh, was to have uh, absolute power because as um, a female minority growing up in the white suburb of Willowbrook, Illinois, I think that was the topmost thing in my mind is to have some sort of power. And so when that was denied to me through the you know, the all-male uh, you know, religion of Catholicism, I thought that maybe I could do something with magic. Are there parallels between doing magic tricks and writing? The parallel between doing magic tricks and writing are that you want to keep the person engaged into the world that you would like them to share with you, to believe in. I think it's all magic. I think, you know, magic is sex, magic is food, magic is writing. When you create anything from nothing, that's magic. Now we'll hear a selection from Maritessa's live reading. This is an excerpt from my memoir, uh, which is about how I became a magician in a male-dominated field. So before I begin, people are always asking me what it's like to be a magician. And the following story describes the first time I tried to perform a large-scale illusion. (laughs) But what's rare about this scene is that we are all women. the sword basket. We only had a month before we were supposed to perform my big magic show in Japan. The show required me to perform bigger stage illusions than I had ever performed before. And my producer, Constance, only had a few weeks to train us before we flew to Japan while she remained in Las Vegas. I trusted her completely as she was one of my few veteran female magician friends, and I was honored to call her my mentor. We would begin rehearsals with our biggest illusion, which was the sword basket. It's one of those legends, like the Indian rope trick, that everyone has heard of, but most have never seen. This is the trick where A woman climbs into a basket, and someone penetrates her with a bunch of swords, and she emerges unscathed. I've only seen it done in the Popeye black-and-white cartoon where Bluto is chasing around olive oil and she jumps in the basket. I walked into Constance's garage and saw the pink cauldron-shaped thing with a lid like a garbage can. Mark, her husband, 
and main assistant, was in the corner, unpacking the swords and laying them next to the wall. I ran my hands over the sword basket. Ouch! My palm was bleeding from a deep scratch. Mark walked over to me. Careful now, that's not a basket, it's fiberglass. I'll have to sand that corner down a bit more. The basket had tiger print fabric glued all around it in an attempt to create the illusion's savage jungle theme. <laughs> Constance played me the theme music. It was thumping drums, some approximation of a voodoo war dance. This was like uh, that Three Stooges episode where Moe, Larry, and Curly uh, sit in a, a cauldron wearing safari hats while men in blackface dressed as witch doctors poke them with spears. Part of me wanted to tell her how moronic this magic act was, but this was my chance to star in an illusion show. Maybe I would be big in Japan. I needed to know the secrets of magic. So, multicultural sensitivity be damned. <laughs> Teach me the sword baskets. The first step is teaching the assistant how to get into the basket. After Constance explained to the assistant, Maggie, what she should do, she still didn't understand. Like a typical magician, I nodded my head and pretended that I, unlike other mortals, understood all secrets of magic, but I didn't get it either. <laughs> Maggie broke the silence. Um, Constance? Could you get in and show me? Constance said nothing for several heartbeats. Hmm. Well, let me just tell you that as the magician, I do not get into the sword basket. Maggie and I looked at each other. Okay then, um, let's try it again. <laughs> she climbed in the basket 20 more times until her body figured it out. All I could do was watch. I was the only person in the room who didn't know how this trick worked. Did I miss something? Reset the swords on the ground, Jordan. Jordan was the assistant who would be topless. She jumped up and did it. Now, Maritas, first we'll practice uh, stabbing the swords through the basket. Uh, Maggie is your sexy jungle servant. You should make eye contact with each other. There should be chemistry between you and all the showgirls. Now, you showgirls are here to serve your mistress, and you should enjoy it. So, Jordan, you dance around with a sword. Look at Maritas with adoration. And then, Maritas, you take the swords and clang them above your head to show that they are solid, and then you thrust the swords into the sword basket. I couldn't believe these girls would be wearing bikinis, and they would be my subordinates. 
I helped Maggie into the basket and slammed the cover over it. Jordan handed me a sword. I wrapped my hand around the hilt. I was getting paid to use a sword. <laughs> she handed me another sword. I was about to lift the swords over my head, but each sword was as heavy as a bag of sugar, and my wrists were bending backwards, and I realized I was a weakling, a teenager trying to bench press. I tried to act cool and remembered that this was rehearsal. So I didn't need to clang the swords over my head right now, so I held them at my sides. Jordan was fake smiling at me, like a kid on school picture day. But I was smiling for real because I am Xena, warrior princess. <laughs> I turned to the sword basket I still had no idea how the sword basket worked, but it was something the assistant did. These swords weren't fake. There was no secret button to push. They didn't retract. They were dulled, but still, these were heavy blades of steel. What are you waiting for, Marites? Constance walked over to me. You cannot have any hesitation where someone is going to get hurt. Just aim for the opening and thrust it in. It won't work if you're too gentle. Now start with the hole right here. She pointed at the leather flap on the right side of the basket. Everyone in the garage was staring at me, so I heave-hoed the sword towards the basket and shoved it in. I prayed the sword would somehow miss Maggie. A muffled, ouch, made me jerk back. <laughs> I rushed forward and removed the lid. Maggie rubbed her leg, looked up at me, and like a chick hatching from an egg, she smiled, it's okay, it's part of the job. She got out of the basket and I saw her leg. There was a red mark that was getting darker. I turned away before I could see it develop into a bruise. Constance took the swords from me. Yep, they're heavy, aren't they? Maggie got back in the basket like she was climbing into a bathtub. No, no, Maggie, that's not how you get into an illusion. You must learn to hold your body up and present yourself. You are the star here. You are the one inside the illusion, the one in danger. You are going to be part of a miracle. This is all about you. Constance took the sword from me and said, here, let me show you how I did this during my illusion show in Aruba. That show made me enough money so I could buy this house. Why don't you watch from the front? I stood in front by the wall of mirrors. She pressed play on the cassette player. Pounding drums thumped from the speakers, and I saw Constance change from suburban homeowner into the queen sorceress from every fantasy and science fiction book I've ever read. She lifted a sword into the air, twirled and presented it as though it were as light as a tree branch. She picked up another sword and clanged them above her head. What was it like to be a sorceress? Did she own a flying dragon? She thrust the sword into the basket and allowed her urgency 
to take the sword where it needed to go, piercing the basket and emerging out the other side. I didn't hear Maggie scream. I looked for blood running down the sword. Was Maggie dead? Constance picked up two more swords, walked around the basket, found a spot and narrowed her eyes as if she were about to shoot a deer. She looked at the corners of the ceiling and then through me as if she were performing for a thousand people. She thrust another sword through the basket with such sexual anger, it seemed natural. After slicing more swords through the basket, she stood as still as a soldier and stared at the audience. Our suburban garage was silent, but I could hear the applause in my head. This trick had nothing to do with cheesy illusion shows or silly TV magic specials. She wasn't one of those kids whose father bought them a bunch of trick boxes. She has done this a thousand times before. Witnessing her performance was a privilege, like seeing Stonehenge in person. I wanted to clap. Yes, the sword basket was fiberglass. Yes, it was pink. And yes, it was a pretty standard trick, but this was the first time the assistants and I saw a stage illusion performed just a couple of feet away. We stared at Constance in awe. The spell was broken by the cockatoos sitting in dog cages. They screamed when it got too quiet. She slipped the swords from the basket, clanged them into an X shape, and handed the swords to Jordan, who extended her arms like a servant, her head slightly bowed. To prove that Maggie vanished, Constance climbed in and sat down. She stared at the invisible audience, and that was my cue to clap, but I crossed my arms so I didn't look like a total layman. She extended her hand, and Jordan took it while helping her step out of the illusion as if she were stepping out of a carriage. With her free hand, Jordan handed her a bundle of gold lame. Constance threw the fabric into the air, which unfurled like a matador's cape. The cloth floated up and landed around the outline of a human. Constance whipped away the cloth, and there was Maggie, suddenly standing there. Without bothering to look at her assistant, she gestured like a hand model towards Maggie, who took it and stumbled out of the basket, as if she had no idea where she came from. Constance looked at Maggie, and we knew it was okay to applaud. The performance was driven by years of practice and very few triumphs. She made me believe that all women are goddesses. She took a cigarette out of her purse, lit it, and took a long drag. <laughs> Sound Pages was produced by Jack Straw Productions as part of the Jack Straw Writers Program. The 2011 curator of this program is Susan Rich. Music performed by the Ovtaruk Sextet and recorded as part of the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. Producer is Jenny Cecil Moore, 
Recording engineers are Mo Preventure and CJ Lazenby. Narrator is Alyssa Keen. And executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, Washington State Arts Commission, National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.